Richard Hatch is one of my favorite people to watch on television because for being arguably the original reality show star, he just strikes me as remarkably sincere. He's blunt, he's honest, he's smart, he's strategic. He's the winner of the first season of Survivor, where he basically created the whole concept of an alliance. He also competed on the eighth season of Survivor, Survivor All-Stars, in 2004. In 2011, he was on the fourth season of Celebrity Apprentice. And last year, he was on The Biggest Loser, Temptation Nation. Now, one thing you may have heard about Richard is that in 2006, he was convicted of attempting to evade taxes. These are charges he still believes to this day are unjust and unfair. But that said, he did serve his time in prison, and hopefully all of that is now behind him. I wanted to talk to him about his survivor legacy, about growing up gay and an atheist. He actually attended the First Reason Rally, which is something we talk about during this conversation, and what he's up to now. You know, my first question to you is just, uh, when you go into the background and everyone, everyone, if they've watched TV in the past couple decades, they kind of know who you are now, but... Uh, I want to go back to just kind of the first season of Survivor for a second. What made you even want to apply for that show? Because when Survivor 1 was kind of even being publicized, no one knew what that show was. No one knew what reality television was. So what was it about that that even made you consider doing it? Indeed, it was a a really new genre. I I have always loved uh, the outdoors and, and camping and I'm a scuba instructor and you know, those kinds of things. So when uh, my mom saw an ad uh, for some television and she didn't know where she saw it, uh, she called and said, "Somebody's they're putting together a show for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, Ma. Okay. <laughs> and uh, she didn't even know where. And I thought, oh, that's just her. She's always got ideas. Then about a week later, a friend from D.C. sent an email saying, hey, CBS is putting together a show just for you. I thought, okay, this is weird. So They're I looked all thinking it up of you. <laughs> applied, filled out this you know multi-page application and uh, and sent it in. But I would have paid to go. It's it's one of those things you know on a deserted island, go camping for a month. Hey, that'd be great. <laughs> Let's think about it. South China Sea, cool. I haven't been there. Awesome. And then uh, you know throw in a million bucks. Sure. I'm on. I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, you ended up going back onto the show. Uh, on the eighth season for the all-star uh, tournament that they had that season. Um, and we haven't seen you back for a number of reasons, but I'm wondering if we would ever see you on survivor again, because you've been thwarted a couple times in your own attempts to go back on there. Yeah. They asked me back twice after that for redemption Island and heroes versus villains. And uh, both times prosecutors prevented me from going for no legitimate reason. Uh, I'd finished my, sentence, which wasn't legitimate to begin with, but, uh, uh, they, you know, they, they wouldn't let me go back. Um, and then I haven't been asked since. Okay. So, because you're, you're course. in the clear now, right? Oh, for years for, yeah. uh, you know, what are we coming on? Seven, six, seven, eight years now. Okay. So maybe we'll see you on there if they ask you again. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> Let me ask you, as, as someone who I take it is still a fan of the show, uh, are there certain twists you really like to see? Are there certain things, rules you'd like to see change? Because they do change them every season. 
Well, if your commentary is any indication of who you are on Twitter, um, then I think for similar reasons to why you might enjoy the show, I enjoy the show. Uh, I like figuring out who people are, looking at what choices we'll make in what situations, thinking about what that says about who we are. Those things interest me, and and that's what Survivor is. So I'm still a fan of the show. I I watch uh, pretty regularly, and I really enjoy when 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 there are what I think of as skilled players playing. So this upcoming season, where they are having some of the really good, interesting players uh, who quote unquote make big moves, uh, that sounds like something you're going to be into because it is a strategy game more so than just personalities. Like everyone kind of knows each other, so that's out the window. Well, yes, everyone kind of knows each other, but your premise that these are big players who make big moves, I, I hope we see some of that. You know, it's called game changers, but and and some of these folks did influence the game in some pretty powerful ways, but 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 many didn't. and and I'm not sure how they were selected. You know that that that's marketing, uh, game changers, et cetera. I hope like I do with any season, that I see lots of interesting gameplay, lots of interesting exchange that that makes the, the game um, uh, fun to watch and, and enjoyable and pleasure and, and exciting to, to, to try and figure out what, what's happened and why it's happened. I'm not as um, convinced as it sounds you are that these are those big players. But no, I, I agree. There were some of the names on there and let me go back for a second. There are, uh, I don't really get into many reality shows, but for some reason, Survivor, just as a game itself, I just think is really good. That's the only reason I've still watched that one show, even though I don't watch any of the other ones. Um, but you're right. Th- there are some names on the this season where I'm just like, okay, I don't really get why they're on there, but okay, they balanced it out in terms of whatever demographics they're trying to hit. Um, but some of them I'm excited to see come back, so... Hammond, you 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 say that you describe your watching Survivor with with what sounds like a little bit of embarrassment. <laughs> I no 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 no, it's not embarrassment. And this is, I have loved the show since yeah. I started watching yeah. you on it, and that was my senior year, I think, of high school. Um, I, to the point that I was so obsessed that I think I was voted most likely to be kicked off the show that year. <laughs> Uh, as my senior class superlative because people just associated me with the show. Um, But no, it's not with embarrassment. I think it's a really, really good show. And when it's done well and everyone's actually playing, it's so much fun to watch. Sadly, I don't know anyone I can watch it with anymore. (laughs) I feel like I'm in an island of my own, just kind of like, screw you all. I'm watching it and then you all can do whatever you want. But uh, I'm not embarrassed to say I love the show. Awesome. I think there are a lot of folks out there who feel similarly. I think that's why it's still on. Yeah, it has it has a, a a strong audience still, but it doesn't have the same water cooler. Yeah, uh, you know, feel. That it's it not used a to. it's not a guilty pleasure for me. It's a genuine pleasure. I just like I agree. It. <laughs> I, I think there's real value in watching what we do with one another as humans and thinking about that. Yeah. Um, you said in a recent Reddit AMA that when you were on the show the first time, it was a little difficult because you were playing two games, you said. One was against the contestants, as it should be, and the other was against the powers that be. And I wonder what you meant by that. 
Wow, that's a little bit deep, but let's go. So um, uh, I learned many things in in that season, that initial season of Survivor. And until that point, up until my filming of that show, I'd led a pretty unique life, I guess, in the way that I'm, I'm, I'm a very direct, very open, very, very, um, uh, you know, what you see is what you get kind of guy. And I'd had no, nothing, nothing came back at me f- for that. I'd never encountered any kind of prejudice uh, that I was aware of, etc. But after filming that show, I learned a lot about who we are because I, I encountered all kinds of, uh, of prejudice and, and problems having come out as gay and particularly as an atheist uh, on the show. There was quite a reaction, and, and it's something I, I still um, have to think back at, at, at how powerful that reaction was and, and still is. Uh, and to be clear, the, that first season of the show, you were competing against people who were very openly Christian, uh, who were also... Uh, even your one of your closest allies on that season was pretty uh, uncomfortable around gay people, to say the least. Rudy, yeah, yeah. he was a seventy-two-year-old Navy SEAL who 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 really I don't know if he was uncomfortable around gay people the way the way you describe it there, or just had never been, and yeah. so had this typical negative perception, or or in Rudy's case, I think kind of like. I'm supposed to have a negative perception. I don't really know. <laughs> His honesty was really refreshing. Uh, I, I don't. Um, he's fat and, and, <laughs> and he's queer, but he's smart. He said right, of me, right? And, and and it was so genuine. <laughs> it was so you know he he just had this perception. I think as an old time Navy SEAL of this you know guy guy thing, and that must be really weird. Well, he learned I think about who who people are when he met me. And I think that's part of what Survivor did that, that, that was a good thing. But going back to the two game question. Yeah. So I went into this really powerfully believing that this was a game and that the rules mattered outwit, outlast, outplay. And I was good at what this game required and in my own mind, I believed I'd have an audience, uh, a, a viewership that would recognize, wow, this guy really got it. He really is playing well. And this is this is awesome. Kind of in the way people watch sports that I don't um, <laughs> and get crazy about football players that 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 rack up uh, stats and. Uh, wow. You thought they would see all the strategic manipulations and think, yeah, we're rooting for this guy the whole way through. Yeah. Even more than, I mean, there's, there are physical aspects to survivor, but there's an intense mental aspect, probably the main aspect. And, and, uh, I thought I would be rewarded, uh, appreciated for that. And very, very, very early on in the midst of playing, I recognized that that's not going to be the case. And it is not the case now, even in the midst of those folks who are staff and who are uh, filming and and produ- producing the show. And so I, I quickly... Uh, uh, because what do you think they are looking for, if not that? That, that, that? Exactly. I thought, what are they looking for, if not that? But what I realized is we're all human and and they didn't know what to expect out of the game. They didn't know what was going on. So I encountered 
uh, we all encountered in that first season, uh, a, a lot of pushback on different things from people who probably shouldn't have been pushing back and who uh, were pushing back against their own interests. In other words, to make the show something less exciting than it would have been. So, for example, the nudity thing. We were, it was 110 degrees on a, on, on a deserted island, and it, I was swimming all the time. It was silly to wear clothing, <laughs> right. and I, I had no issues with, um, what do they call that, jungle rot or, or, <laughs> or anything else that other guys did. And, and it, so it made sense. But it didn't make sense to some of the producers or cameramen, and one in particular – uh, when on my birthday, I decided, hey, I'm I'm just going to go naked for my birthday. I don't know how else to celebrate it. So let's spend the entire day naked, no matter what happens, challenges, <laughs> whatever. And he got so angry that he started yelling about who, 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 who you know, don't you want any airtime? This is ridiculous. This is, you know, what, what the heck are you doing? You put your, you know, that kind of thing. Put your really clothes back on. Well, it turns out Mark Burnett found out that that had been said and that's what he'd done. And he personally came and asked me to do whatever I wanted to do and to, to go, go ahead and ignore that, that, that that's not the way they all felt and don't worry about it. You just be you. So I recognized that what was going on there was a learning curve and they were learning too. Right. This, they were still figuring out what example. makes the show tick. Right. So I realized I needed uh, if I wanted to succeed here, I needed to be very, very thoughtful about my engagement within the constraints of the, the game's rules with contestants and very, very thoughtful about my engagement with the production side of it as well. I remember reading in some interview, maybe it was the Reddit thing, maybe it was a different interview or something, but even for those who remember that first season, there's a memorable moment in like the last episode where you kind of give up, quote unquote, on a big, important challenge because strategically, you know, it's going to work out in your favor. But even the host of the show, Jeff Probst, seems to be shocked by the fact that you're throwing this challenge, um, even though in your head you said you had figured it all out. So I think that was one of the biggest games ever made in, uh, sorry, game changing moves. One of the biggest moves yeah. ever made in the game of survivor. And I'm, I'm so proud of it. And I, and I did think it through, uh, repeatedly so many times it's almost embarrassing to, 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 to say, but I concluded early that the smartest thing to do in that challenge, we were all stuck holding our hands on a pole. And if you dropped off, you were out. The smartest thing to do would be for me to drop off, and we were only, we were down to three three players. There was only three left, and the winner was going to get a million. And and I'd concluded that my stepping out here would be the best way for me to win. And I concluded that quickly. So I spent then the next hour and a half thinking through whether or not I was delusional or exhausted <laughs> or crazy and. Uh, and realized I wasn't. And I knew why. I figured out why. And I talked to the other two players through why I had to be brought to the to the finale. And uh, and it worked out as I planned. But you're right. Production had they, they basically lost their minds. 
<laughs> they weren't prepared for it. They weren't standing by. Jeff ran over uh, screaming like, what, what the <laughs> heck? Angry. Uh, it was a very, very interesting um, uh, period. That's I, I wish we could have seen like what was going on behind the scenes as all that was going on. Um, let me let me change gears for a little bit, which is this fact that you were openly I mean, you're openly gay on the show. You were openly uh, atheist, too. And I'm wondering, you grew up, I think, in Rhode Island or did you end up moving to Rhode Island? But what was your own religious journey like growing up? Oh, I was born in Newport Hospital, Newport, Rhode Island. Yeah, I, um, born and raised in that town. And, and it was is a. a Relatively conservative uh, population, I think, uh, with a, with the entire state being a very small town kind of feel. With that comes corruption, a whole other story, and, and a big part of why I was prosecuted for tax evasion that I never did. But um, I grew up with a, a mom who'd been raised Episcopalian but switched to Catholic, who married uh, a Protestant and got him to go to Catholic church, stand up, sit down, kneel, stand up, sit down, kneel, stand up, sit down, kneel. I could never figure it out. Couldn't understand it. My brother was killed when I was 15. He was 13. He was run over by a drunk driver. Uh, Kenny was riding his bike on the sidewalk and this guy came over and plowed into him. And so from a very, very early age, I was always, I was contemplating what the heck did all of this craziness mean? Um, what do you mean my mom converted from one belief to another? Did you, did, what, how do you do that? <laughs> you believe these things and then now you believe these things? What, what does that mean? And why do so many people believe such varying, very, very odd things uh, across the world? And then what, what does this mean? Here's a 13-year-old kid um, who just was run over, dead, gone now. So is he watching us? Is he around? Is he floating up there somewhere? It was a, a, a very um, productive time in my life. And I, and I concluded um, that it was highly unlikely that there is anything more beyond reality. And I've loved reality sense. And I think reality, what's true, matters. Has that ever... That answers... No, it does answer that that question. Um, did... For a lot of people I know, their sexual orientation and their religion uh, don't necessarily go hand in hand at first, but then they're tied together uh, really closely afterwards. Uh, did you know you were gay at a younger age than that? And then did those two things... Uh, go together for you just naturally? No, I, I didn't really know what gay was until I realized that I was attracted to other guys. I was raped when I was eight by three neighborhood kids. And then, um, I guess you call it molested when I was 10 by, uh, one of my parents, friends, sons. And that 10 year old experience was, um, uh, pleasurable is an understatement, just wa exciting. Wow. What the heck is this weird? I didn't understand it, but, but there was nothing negative about it. Like there was about the earlier rape. And so in my mind, I had to process these feelings. And I, and I, even at those ages, 10, 11, 12, what I thought 
everybody must feel similarly to me. We must, we must all, all us guys, kind of have these exciting feelings when we think about one another naked. But eventually, we'll marry women and we'll have kids, which of course I was going to have. I knew I would have a family and and wanted one, etc. I just wondered how that all happened. It was confusing. So. Uh, <laughs> So when I realized that wasn't the case and that when people were saying things like queer and faggot, they were talking negatively about me. (laughs) And I had to I had to uh, I had to come to uh, understand what that meant. I had to integrate that into my own perspective of who I was. And I think of that kind of as a gift because I was bright enough to uh, conclude that I'm a good person good guy. I'm a really good person. And, and, and I love me and I do, I still to this, I, I love who I am. I love who I try to be. I love who, who I, I am to others. And, and so even as a youngish teen, I loved who I am and who I was. And, and I recognized that those who had these issues uh, calling me faggot or queer or calling other people that or having these thoughts about other people because of who they loved were the ones with the problem, not me. And did you ever face, I mean, yes, uh, people are going to call you names, things like that. Uh, did you say when you were growing up, though, you you didn't really feel any serious prejudice until None. you had gone on Survivor and kind of really been around people who uh, weren't in that same environment growing up? Correct. I truly didn't. I, I felt all kinds of um, things that we all feel as kids, the teasing, the bullying, the, those different things. But uh, they're felt by, I think, literally almost every single human for different reasons, varying reasons. And I was aware of that. I, I from an early age, was a people watcher and, and, and understood that we all were enduring some sort of teasing and bullying. And, and so I, I didn't separate myself or think of myself as anything special or different in that way. So over time, I, I, just, I just accepted that that's normal, uh, too bad that kids do that to one another. But I never encountered any, you know, um, you know outright prejudice or anything. Yeah, discrimination, uh, or real, real prejudice. I, I was never... Um, uh, what it, uh, technically in the closet, uh, I joined the army, I attended West Point and I was active sexually while at West Point, but I wasn't open because, you know, gay people weren't allowed to be in the military, but nor was I, you know, intentionally in the closet. My, my family, my parents, my family didn't know until didn't know I was gay until my maybe late, mid or late twenties because I'd lived out of town. But anyway, I felt as if I'd never encountered any real prejudice and then just living openly. And I think that's something the casting professionals at survivor and Mark Burnett himself responded to that. I had a confidence and a, and a clarity about who I was that was unapologetic and, and just, um, as it should be. And I think they wanted that to be seen. And so after the show began to air is kind of the first time I recognized the level of vitriol, the 
the irrational uh, homophobia that was as pervasive as it is today and and felt strongly about how people were and still are, um, just as with racism, subject to bigotry that's 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 sickening. Speaking of your uh, casting there, I remember uh, Mark Burnett when he he kind of published a diary of sorts of that first season. And I think one of the first lines in that book is that you, Richard, uh, should have been the first person voted out because of your overconfidence or something like that. Yeah, no, he didn't say I should have. He was certain. They (laughs) selected me and he said, I will be. Richard Hatch will be the first person voted out. (laughs) We know that. (laughs) <laughs> but we're going to put him on for three days anyway. <laughs> well, there's there's the, there's there's the thing. So naturally, I was doing what I needed with production even then, even in the selection process. I knew what they needed for a, an, an entertaining <laughs> show for somebody on television, and I was giving them what they needed. I didn't intend to be as cocky as I was with uh, players when the game was on right off the bat, you know, I knew I would have to alter my, but they weren't even thinking that they right. were just thinking this is who he is. And <laughs> wow, he'll be gone first. Um, when the show began airing and the show began getting super popular, what sort of prejudice did you get then? Because it's not just the people you're competing with, but in, in many ways, I, I think a lot of the country was not used to seeing a very confident gay guy on television like that not used to seeing is, is quite the understatement. <clears throat> no, I don't, I don't know if there was an openly gay character, uh, a person, uh, uh, in public ever prior to that. I, I'm not sure. Um, I can't recall one. I certainly didn't have a role model, a uh, gay role model growing up that, that I was aware of that was outspoken, that was talking about, you know, reality in his life. So what happened was, um, um, not really subtle. How do I describe it? It was pervasive, this this tone, this sense, this not when they would talk to me, but when they would talk about me, particularly the media's caricature. It would be it was very negative. It was um, I think it contributed to the reason that people thought of me as villainous when when there was nothing really villainous about me. If you watch the season now, you see, wow, he's he's playing well. Right. He's strategic, but he's not being he's not undermining other people, per se. Right. (laughs) Other than to undermine their gameplay. Right. You want to win. (laughs) <laughs> right. And to get them off. So so it was a it was a really it was a challenging thing to learn about our world. I, I naively believed that it was much more fair. I believed that Survivor was a game and that we don't live that way in real life. And I was I learned harshly that that's wrong as well. It's why I was prosecuted for something I didn't do. It's a it's a game. It's prosecutors, particularly in Rhode Island, who I believe to be intensely corrupt, uh, pr- prosecuting me at trying to win at all costs for their own glorification. That's not what prosecutors are supposed to do. They're supposed to seek out the truth. And no one in that entire period was interested in what was true. None. No exploration of it, no asking, no. That's just not our system. Our systems, our legal systems, just so broken. And that's a big part of the answer to this question, because these systems, these systems um, imbued with power, the, the legal system, the courts, uh, anything, the politics, education, these things are what enable people to live or prevent 
people from living well and equally. And, and, and so I, I really, for decades, uh, encountered, um, well, so 17 years, two decades, almost, yeah. <laughs> have been encountering the, the results of being open and honest and, and confident uh, about who I am and, and my right to be that. Atheist being probably the most challenging. I think people respond to that or uh, have responded to that in a much, much, much deeper, darker, more negative way than they do to even my being gay, which has changed uh, over over time. And how Atheism does, has not. Atheism how, has... Go ahead. I'm sorry. How does that actually manifest in your life then? Does that mean you get nasty messages from people because you are a public atheist? Well, I've gotten all kinds of na- nasty um comments for, 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 for being atheist, for being gay. And, and in the legal system, they talked in court about how he's non-religious and he's this and he's that having to do with the atheism. That was befuddling to me that, that, that it was allowed, that it was brought up by prosecutors, that it had anything to do with this idea of attempting to evade taxes, none. But, but, but in general, in, in day-to-day life, you see the or I encounter the uh, disbelief, um, the 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 absurdity uh, of the idea that someone's walking around and they're comfortable talking about how unlikely it is that there's any kind of a deity, uh, and that that's really kind of an absurd concept. And the more clearly I talk about my reasoning for those beliefs. The more off-put, and I would say even the, the angrier uh, some get, particularly those who are strong believers or, or very, very faithful as what they would call themselves, uh, seem to get. The idea of challenging their own perspective is, seems to me, uh, foreign, seems to me uncomfortable in a way that, 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 that maybe most aren't even capable there are obvious exceptions to that, particular, particularly within the survivor world where people I've met through Survivor and at charity events and and player other players on Survivor who happen to be religious. I've had many more conversations with them where their perspective is enjoyed uh, at the same time as they're open to, to, to talking with me about mine. But it's not a common occurrence. It's much, much more common when there's a shutdown, anger, a negativity, follow-up by comments about how how awful uh, I am for for not believing in their God, their their what I think of as imaginary God, their right. imaginings of a world that doesn't exist. Uh, and I think a lot again, of people watching Survivor, too, and they don't realize that when you're on there for like, whatever, 30 days or plus, and so much of what we so much of what goes on there is not seen on television because it's all edited out. But I imagine that leaves a lot of time to just talk about deep issues, even though it's never going to make it on air. There does indeed. And in fact, Dirk from my se- the original season, who carried his Bible and read it continually, um, had decided to do that because he wanted people to know how religious he was. And, and he had this, and I would say still has, I think, this faith 
in um, in what's written in that book uh, by whomever happened to write it. And I, I don't know whether he thinks a deity wrote the book or not, but he's so clear and so certain about that 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 idea that there is this um, omniscient, omnipotent creator who's, who cares about uh, what people are doing on the, that game, for example, and people pray to him to, to help them do it better. These kinds of things have inspired me to, and I've been writing for a long time this book, I'm looking for a publisher now called Reality Matters. And, and it's, it's, it does. It simply matters. And and I would want to know, I believe, if I were religious, how confident I could be in those beliefs. I like people challenging my perspective. I enjoy the idea that I might learn something from from being challenged. But it's a uh, it's a rare, rare, rare thing. And I and I want to encourage people to to be more interested. In, in being challenged. You actually attended the 2012 Reason Rally, is that correct? I did. Well, oh, yeah. Was that your first time being surrounded by people who identified as atheists? Well, for, certainly in that crowd, I think it was the largest gathering of atheists on, on ever on yeah. Earth at that time or something. Um, yeah, yeah, that was, that was a first and uh, a pleasant one. And have you done anything like that since in terms of uh, uh, gathering with people who identify as atheists? Or is that something that maybe because you're in Rhode Island, it's not as big of a deal for you? Well, it, it isn't as big of a deal here in Rhode Island. In Rhode Island, I don't think, although there are pockets I would say of it where maybe. Rhode Islanders are religious. <laughs> yeah. You know, most Rhode Islanders are religious. So so it, it's a deal. But, but we're a, a more connected world. So... I've been searching for meaningful work. So, uh, so for example, I reach out to um, lots of different atheist-related organizations, people who are doing things that are good for the world and, and, and truly trying to help people live better lives. And, and I think that's what atheism is about. And and so in that search for work, I, I talk with lots and lots of uh, groups about possibilities of, of working together. I wanted to ask you, uh, because you were also on the fourth season of Celebrity Apprentice, and I wanted Correct. to know, so that means you did spend some time with Donald Trump and everything. Uh, is there anything redeeming you could tell someone like me who is so frustrated by everything going on right now. Did you see any side of him uh, on camera or off camera that you think, you know what, uh, politics aside, here's something you should know about this guy? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> so so uh, I, I won't be helpful, but I'll be informative. I, I didn't meet Donald on, on the show. I knew him well for years before the show. I worked in his building. We would talk outside his uh, his building in the morning when I would go to CBS Early Show. Um, I've been to events with him, him and his family. Uh, I hosted Live with Regis uh, and did a skit. I, I rode the elevator in Trump Tower naked to his office. <laughs> I hung out in his office with him. I was naked while he pointed out what he owned. Uh, <laughs> 
He invited me to sit on the dais at his roast at the <laughs> Friars Club. And throughout these years, literally, of friendship, we uh, interacted positively. He uh, lit up when we would talk and when he would see me, and he'd, he'd, he was uh, a good guy to me. He's a very skillfully engaging one-on-one person, which I see, I've seen none of in this whole lead up to the presidency and, and since, which is interesting to me. But prior to that, uh, while I was on Celebrity Apprentice I, and he had decided to run for president, I watched the shift. I watched him shift because of what I think he perceived his base to need. So I watched him question my sexuality and who I was because of my sexuality in a way that I challenged and confronted, but that was absurd. I knew he didn't feel the things he was saying. And, 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 and one of the most difficult things to swallow is another lesson I'm learning about who we are as humans. The expediency with which Donald becomes whomever he believes he needs to be for the reason he thinks he needs to be it um, is what he does. And I'm off put by that. I'm bothered by it. I, 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 I'm um, offended by the lack of, of core values. I, I don't like living that way. I don't like to think of our world as being one that rewards uh, people who live that way, but I'm wrong, and it is. Our, our world rewards, particularly financially, people like him who live expediently, and I think this is at the expense of our country. And you could see through it, and I feel like I can see through it, and what bothers me is that so many millions of people don't seem to see through it. No, uh, uh, they don't. And that bothers me as well, because it says much about who who we are, just as with my conversations about um, being an atheist and why I am and my interest in why others believe what they do. And, and I'm very interested. I often ask people. I, I find myself hitting a wall instantly when we talk about Trump. Um, if they believe what they believe, even family members – um, they just do. And they don't want additional information. They, the, the, the idea that I know this human being, that I know the person relatively well, that, that, that I've been personally involved with him for, for, for a significant period of time, and the fact that they already understand that I am naturally gifted, whatever you want to call it, with respect to understanding people, who we are, that it's been my focus, it's been my academic background, it's been what I like, it's been a passion, they still tend not to listen uh, when it comes to Trump. And they still, I think because they're hopeful, (laughs) uh, uh, feel like we ought to, I keep hearing, give him a chance. There's nothing (laughs) that human being could have done more than what he did to scream I'm not uh, <laughs> suitable for this position. Literally nothing. And yeah. yet close to, not half, but nearly yeah. half of, of Americans who voted chose him. It's, it's, it's nearly incomprehensible to yeah. me and very, very sad. 
And, and, and especially sad because so much of his base are from the evangelical Christians uh, who normally, if that, if that character of Trump were a Democrat, they would say, this guy goes against everything our belief system stands for. But because he's on their team, they just let it all slide. Yeah, it's, um, it's tragic. It and is. I think it will have tragic consequences. I think the... Um, the uh, greed and the the clear connectivity, the personal gain aspect of why they're doing what they're doing, from the from the uh, the money in Russia to the oil, to it's it's so blatant and obvious to somebody who who wants to take a look at it objectively. You know, I keep hearing about this. Oh, you liberal, this and that. You you just uh, sad that Hillary lost. What? Why are you guys talking about Hillary? Who, who's Hillary? That, that, that ended so long ago. I'm talking about this person who's incomprehensibly unsuitable for this position to still be in it pretending that he's doing anything for anyone other than himself. Not that I have an opinion. None. Uh, and we just saw him this week give a speech to that joint session of Congress where he spoke in complete sentences from a teleprompter and therefore he's now the greatest man in the universe incomprehensible <laughs> babbling, uh, you know, spitting out someone else's words in a, in an, in a horribly uncomfortable way. I mean, it was difficult to watch, but it doesn't matter. You know, he's gotten better at that than he was, you know, a month ago. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with who he is, what he believes, what he's doing, why he's doing it. Nothing. Going back to you for a second, one last question for you, which is what, uh, assuming Survivor's not calling you back yet, what are you up to right now? Because I've read everything from you're producing your own TV shows, you're working on a doctorate. Uh, what is it that you're working on right now? Well, that's true. Uh, I think I'm uh, I, I'm going to continue to work on my doctorate, um, but I'm in the midst of writing this book, Reality Matters, and shopping it. Uh, shopping it in search of a publisher, um, producing television. Boy, that's been an ongoing uh, interest with my business partner. And and he and I have really proposed, I think, some interesting concepts, but nobody's written a check yet. So I, I don't know <laughs> how to describe that. Do I do, I do it? Yeah, I do it. <laughs> Am I paid? Not yet. Yeah. Um, uh, lots of things like that. And, and in the midst of that, as I described earlier, I, it, it's this desire of mine to make a positive impact and to do meaningful work. So, so I'm looking for work within the atheist community, within some group that is doing, um, you know, as Christians might say, the, the good work. <laughs> Spread the gospel of godliness. Yeah. 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 So it's a you know it's something I'm I'm passionate about. It's something I truly believe is needed. It's it's inevitable uh, if we're to continue as a planet and evolve. Um, so I'd like to participate. Well, that would be exciting to see, and I hope those uh, people in charge of some of those organizations are uh, listening now and maybe have something in mind. That would be wonderful. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Richard Hatch, he is the king, really, of reality television um, and one of the original stars of Survivor. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Hemant. Reach out anytime.